What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Daniel and Billy Baldwin. No, no, that, no, that's a d- different road trip. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel, and I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, you've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hey everybody, I'm Rob Benedict. I'm Richard Spate. And we're here to talk about episode 14 of Supernatural. That's in season one, Rob, for those keeping track at home. Yeah, we're still in season one. This episode is called Nightmare. Oh my gosh. Already, I'm scared. Me too. Even before, just not right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is good. I'm unsettled. <laughs> yeah, this is a, an interesting episode. It begins with Sam has a premonition. Right. Of a man being killed. Something going on in that noodle of his. That's right. But from what the boys can tell, it doesn't seem to be supernatural. Although premonitions aren't exactly normal. That's true. And this is supernatural, so I would say anything is supernatural. Yeah, for them to dismiss the supernatural fact is to really ignore the title card. Sam and Dean question Max, the son of the murdered man, but don't suspect anything. No, why would they? He's a kid. Yeah, he's just a kid. Although he's probably about late 20s. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, 20s are kids too. However, soon the boy's uncle dies. 
Sam and Dean dig deeper and find out that Max was being abused by his father and his uncle. Oh man, that's the one-two punch of getting punched one and two. Yeah, Max had had it real rough. And, yeah, dude. And, and that the mom was actually a stepmom, and and she never did anything. So. Nothing wrong with stepmoms, but if you're, you know, she didn't really help out. Right. To say Max had a chip on his shoulder would be an understatement, right? Correct. Max has abilities, just like Sam. I mean, he has like fantastic hair and is creepily tall. That's right, and smells good. But his are further developed than Sam's. He can control objects with his mind. Oh, man. He's using his telekinesis to murder the people that abused him. His next target is his stepmother. Wait a minute. I didn't think she uh, abused him. She just did nothing. She did nothing. She stood around and did nothing while the others did the bad stuff. Oh, wow. After tense showdowns with floating knives and hovering guns, Sam and Dean are able to prevent the murder of the stepmother, but aren't able to save Max, who takes his own life. I actually saw the floating knives open up for the hovering guns. How were they? At a festival. Great. Yeah. Both really good. No, I heard. I'm I'm a big fan of their older stuff. So this this episode. Oh, man. What? It's very emotional. Look, I see Robbie's taking it seriously because he's getting out his notes. Getting the notes out. Robbie takes notes, everybody, and Richie just says, it from the memory. Right, right. There's, there's, there's a lot of great stuff in this in this episode. So much great stuff. So the one thing that happened in this episode that I think is the elephant in the room here is that Sam's got superpowers. Yeah, we didn't know that. No. I mean, he's had visions and, and dreams and stuff. Um, I don't remember them coming with crippling headaches. That's true. And right now he's seeing things before they happen. And not with his own mom or dad. Correct. Or, or Dean, like right. somebody else's family. Right. Not only that, but we find when he's locked in the closet that he's got telekinesis. If he gets super, super angry or upset, he can move something out of the way. At least he can move an armoire. Yeah. I wish I'd known that when I came into the show in season four. I tell you what, next time I move house, guess who I'm calling over to move my armoire? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So, yeah, so that that we find out. I thought that was a big sort of, you know, plot point that we found out in this episode. Yeah, that was crazy. Really uh, cool, though. Yeah. But this is a great episode. Yeah. L- let's just get to the meat of this whole thing. It's right. a really good episode of Supernatural. It's terrific. It's not only is it a great story for Sam's character and his development and what's going on with him in terms of this sort of extra level of abilities or whatever you, you would call it that he has yeah. that we discover. Right. But also just the acting in the show is great. Yeah. The, the guy who plays Max. Max is great. Yeah. Uh, Every episode is it's Brendan just... Fletcher. And I looked up his name here. He yeah, played. Yeah. And then the, the stepmom was great. She has a great scene at the end. She did. Yeah, crying yeah. to the cop and she's like yeah. on fire. It's a really good episode. Yeah. 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 And then there's the real uh, tense moment where Dean gets shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They did a really good job. Phil did a really good job. The, the writers did a really good job kind of playing with what we're seeing. Are we seeing what's going on in the present or are you seeing a flash forward to what might happen if something doesn't intercede? Exactly, exactly. And that was one of those moments where I thought we were watching the real moment and then Jensen got shot. I'm like, oh, Right. Oh, crazy. Right. I know. I know. And, and, you know, and again, I know this show goes on for 15 seasons. I know for a fact Dean makes it to the end or nearly there. Well, there, never mind, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Show ruined a season. Po- pointless. <laughs> well, my point is, I know that. And yet every time something happens where, you know, Dean is shot or electrocuted or whatever it is, I freak out. You die a little inside. I say, I think, holy crap, Dean can't die. Which is why you then come to the podcast and ruin it for everybody. Well, I didn't ruin it. And if you want to cut that out, you can. No, I just, we're not going to cut it out. We're not going to cut it out because we're not that show. We warned people there'd be spoilers. I just didn't know there'd be this level of spoilers. Well, if you go to Supernatural on the IMDb, you'll know, you'll see that Jensen Ackles acts through every episode. Not everybody has access to the web like you, money bags. (laughs) Really? Is that expensive now? Um, I didn't realize that that was just uh, the elite. Whatever. Something for the elite. Um, well, I've got uh, a lot 
lots of questions, and I think I'm going to save them for our guests today because uh, most of mine are just uh, director and shot related. Yeah, man. I mean, Phil crushed it, but he always does. I mean, he really he, he's one of the best. He does. Well, so I think uh, two full beards. Oh, two very full beards. We're giving this episode two very full beards. Which, by the way, I don't know if you noticed, but I trimmed mine. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> well, it's big. Well. It's a big beard. It was bigger. Yeah. No, it's nice. Thanks. It's great. Anyway, yeah. two full beards. Yeah. So, Robbie, I know you got a ton of questions. Guess what? You got the right guy here to answer them. Yeah. Because our guest is Phil Segretia. That's right. Phil directed 45 episodes of Supernatural. And yes, he did. Now, S- second most, only to Bob Singer. Yeah. He now, of course, is on The Boys. Did you know he directed an episode of Xena, Warrior Princess? You know what? I actually did not know that. Did you? I did and I didn't. Okay. Well, I'm not even sure what that means. That's very noncommittal. Well, uh, I feel like I knew it, but I don't remember it. Well, that, that won't pass in a court of law. <laughs> answer, non-answer. Nevertheless, please welcome Phil Segretia. We are pleased to have with us today the director of this episode. episode. Returning guest. Yeah, that's right. A recurring guest on our podcast, Mr. Phil Segrisha. You promised some money on this side this time. I know. Time. We're going to get you. We brought snacks. Um, <laughs> Phil, thanks for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Phil, we really love this episode. This yeah, is a so great episode. We got to review this before you walked in the room, so like we were honest. Like Right now, we'd have to lie because you're sitting right. here. Does it have beards? Two full two, beards. Two full beards. Really? Okay. Two yeah. full beards. Yeah. The, personally, I thought there were some really great shots in it. There's a shot at the beginning of the light becoming the car. That's... Yeah, I was in my, I don't know what phase that was when I'm directing. <laughs> it was yeah. like, how can we transition into things? And, um, but it's yeah. like well thought yeah, out. It's appreciated. Yeah, yeah, when you, yeah, when you, you, you watch that, you're like, oh, okay, this is quality stuff. And then the, the whole uh, race up the staircase, up the mm-hmm. staircase, I thought that was a really cool action shot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think, you, I mean, Phil, your episodes always are cinematic. I mean, I've yeah. watched a lot of Phil Segresha work, and not just that you're on a fancy new, you know, cable show. I mean, it, it, even <laughs> early, early days Supernatural, that is your style. And I'm curious, is that a cinematic style that you just have, or is that from years of being an editor that you appreciate transitions? What What do you think the, the origin of that is? Oh, uh, boy. Um, I was a projectionist in high school. I watched a lot of movies, and I don't know if that sunk in or became part of my background in my head, but I think I started thinking more visually. I was always better at pictures than words, I guess, more comfortable with it or something. Just I was a cameraman for a number of years after college. I was doing a lot of documentaries. But then editing, I fell in love with that. I think both of them come into play all the time in my work. So I try and make it interesting. You know, you you try not to do the basic shot. You try and put something that means something within the story. It's always story-driven or character-driven. There's been a couple times when you do some fancy shot and then it gets cut out by the powers that be and you're like, oh, dagger in my heart. But it didn't help the story so you move on by the way just for the people listening at home sometimes the power that be for me was phil (laughs) (laughs) cutting out cutting out my shot well you know i I learned from mr singer and mr kripke and mr manners that if it wasn't helping the story you know it's not worthy of staying in you got to be you know cruel to the kids i guess yeah yeah for sure what did you study in college Television, film, radio. I was at Central Michigan Oh yeah, in uh, the mid-70s. Okay. That's how old. And uh, yeah, I ended up top of the class and um, I ran a TV station. Okay. A cable TV station at the college. I was the 
executive producer guy that ran it That's for awesome. the last year. Yeah, I just um, you knew it at, at an early age. This is the direction you wanted to go. Yeah, I actually ran a cable station in high school. With wow, a little, man! With a little tiny school in northern Michigan. My it was all about teachers. My English teacher Jerry Hockstead, who just passed away, was a mentor, and he kicked out a wall in a janitor's closet and put in the slanted glass and got an old mixing board from a radio station and we started doing radio in high school. Wow. it's awesome. And then by the time I was uh, ready to graduate, we had shifted up to cable TV and I actually edited my first commercials on half inch black and white reel to reel videotape. We wow. Had, we had two machines. So I realized you re recorded all your footage and then you played back and then you paused on the second machine. You recorded that and then you paused it, went to the next shot and then hit record again and they would bind together. Yeah. So that's how I figured out how editing works. You're very young. Yeah. And then also watching the movies at the projectionist in this little theater, single screen. I had to change every 20 minutes, you know, the reels. And the guy who owned the theater still owns it today. He was a school teacher too. So I owe a lot to couple of school teachers. Yeah. That's awesome. It's amazing. And you're from Michigan. So yep. that, that, oh, yeah. So, so the show, this episode. This episode takes place in Michigan. Yeah. yeah. There's a big hole though in this one. If you're watching it on, you know, because of the music rights thing. Yeah. There were two beautiful Bob Seger songs in oh, the really? show that were not. Oh, because yeah, of the so Netflix, uh, because of the Netflix thing. And, well, we and didn't, so streaming. we didn't, we didn't hear those. It was uh, two plus two was the guy driving in, and then a song called Lucifer that Bob Seger did early on. This is way before Silver Bullet Band, and all okay. That. Seeger was always the guy that everybody saw at their graduation prom dance or whatever. You know, he was that guy in the in the 60s and in the early 70s that in, if you were in Detroit or around Detroit, you always, you know, somehow saw Bob Seeger in the herd uh, or Ted Nugent, the Amboy Dukes, that sort of thing. Hmm. So. so rumor has it that you had your sister send in mugs <laughs> and baseball caps and things to decorate the set. Yeah. Is that yeah. True? My younger sister, Evie, um, she... She sent me a bunch of stuff because I said, if we're going to make it Saginaw, let's, and Jerry Wanick, you know, being a Wisco boy for a cheesehead from Wisconsin, he and I get along really well. <laughs> Wisco. It took that. me a hot second yeah. to pick up Wisco. Wisco. <laughs> but, you know, with Jerry being Midwesterner, me being the same and, and Kripke, we all kind of dive into those places and the Escanaba Motel and everything right. about it. Escanaba is a city in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And so you try and populate it all with stuff that just is little Easter eggs for myself, I guess, more than anything. No, I think it's for everybody. I think that's what makes the show fascinating for people who rewatch it. You know what I mean? Because it might not be something people pick up on the first sure. viewing. Yeah, it's yeah. the second viewing, the third viewing, and you start to see the layers of things, which is really something that I didn't truly understand until I got on the other side and realized how deep Jerry goes, how deep you guys go, and everybody. Robin Props will bring in like, hey, this is from season three. It makes sense here. You know, <laughs> yeah. there'll be some interesting things that happen. That kind of curating the history in real time, I think it's really cool. You know, I think it's part of it. It's our glee at putting something in past people. Right. Hopefully. Or maybe they catch it. Maybe they don't. Again, nowadays you can go frame by frame and look at everything. So it's a little different. But, you know, we were shooting on film still then. And uh, it was just kind of like, let's see what we can do to put some extra 
because it's supposed to take place in Saginaw, it was kind of one of those things where you you kind of like, all right, what else can we put in here? Like coffee cups made sense. The guy wearing the hat, even though the hat was a little small, uh, uh, it made where sense. Where was that? Where was that guy with the where hat? They, they interview the guy out uh, on the street. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and right. he's got a orange hat in it, and it's uh, a town in northern oh, Michigan. He, he's right. the neighbor, right? Yeah, he's yeah. the neighbor. Okay, here, yeah. here's some trivia. You ready for some trivia? Okay. That actor is Fred Keating, mm-hmm. and Fred Keating is... Alex Calvert's uh, what was Jack. Jack Jack Jack's grandfather Fred Keating played the mom's father like we we, we go meet Jack's grandparents he's the grandfather yeah, he's the grandfather so he comes back in comes season yeah, in season fourteen 14? or something yeah wow From season one there wow crazy yeah because I was because I direct, direct I directed it that's oh, wow. why that's why I was sitting there watching it. I'm like that looks like Fred <laughs> <laughs> and I looked up I'm like that's Fred that's Fred. Wow, is he's just in that one scene yeah yeah just one scene wow and where is Saginaw I'm holding up my hand. Right here in the oh, uh, right on the thumb, right in the thumb area. Okay, there's Saginaw Bay, which uh-huh. is the which is the this. where the thumb separates. I see. Yeah, oh, down there. Yeah. Okay, Saginaw, Flint, uh, Midland is where Dow Chemical has their headquarters. Okay, I interned there in college. Huh? In their video department. Yes, they have a video department. That's good. Question for you: Talking about cinema references and whatnot. There's a line in the script. He's a spoon bender. I assume that's a Matrix reference. I mean, is that what? Oh, this is no. I don't think so. I think it's just Spoonbender was kind of like a sideshow thing. You know, I I I didn't take it as Matrix myself. I just took it as you know the kid at the carnival. You know, they could bend the spoons or the Great Kreskin or something like that. Gotcha. Sort of just yeah, just that gag. Just that gag. It wasn't really the Matrix thing. Yeah, it sounds like that might be a writer question. Yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't talk about this, but th- this is the episode where they're dressed as priests, which I've seen on lots <laughs> of like playback videos. And, uh, you know, it's a funny setup. You know, they have this idea and then the doors open. There they are in their priest outfits. I'm like, oh, this is the one. This is that one. There's an outtake video where they're sleeveless and they introduce themselves as Chippendales dancers. What's the story behind that? Um... I was always amazed that we actually got episodes done with those two. <laughs> you I think know, a lot you, of people I, you are You know how that works. Um the thing that's fun is that you don't cut. You just let them have their moments, yes. you know? Because if you cut and get angry, it's like, we got to get going. It just keeps the crew in a better mood. And mm. it, and I feel like it keeps you moving because it's like everybody's having fun and everybody's got a smile on their face. Mm-hmm. So those two, Jared and Jensen, were always ready for silliness and they would get so hot that they asked anytime they're wearing an outer coat they ask for sleeveless Uh, because they're hot right sexy hot or warm hot warm hot i think both you'd have to ask ask them but they they do it more than it's not just the priest's outfit if you if they took off their coats it would be no sleeves underneath and especially with jared he's 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 a a sweater he's a he's a sauna he's a sauna that boy (laughs) So I know there's a couple times when I think there was even one where they were going to come in without any pants on, but I think we <laughs> kind of moved on. Uh, uh, a lot of disappointed fans. <laughs> priests without pants, yes. <laughs> a lot of disappointed guys named Rob Benedict. New, new That's album. true. Um, wait, so then that, was that a surprise to everybody? They open it up, yeah. the door opens up. Yeah, I mean, once you go through it, you know, it's yeah. like there's a... <laughs> <laughs> I know it's in the gag reel, so yeah. So it's in the gag uh, reel yeah, for that season. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been in the gag reel for every. I mean, it, that plays a lot at conventions. It does. It does play. That yeah. shot plays a lot. 
And and back then it was fun because we kind of got away from being other things than FBI agents faking right. it out. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so this was year one, so all that stuff was fairly new, new and, yeah. and fun to play. Oh, let's. What if they're priests? What if they're you know plumbers and uh, you know that sort of thing? I so. do love just because of the uh, truncated TV-ness of it all, how welcoming people are. Like, hello, we're two new priests in town. Oh. We'll get on in here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Michigan. Sorry. <laughs> Can I go upstairs by myself and peruse your upstairs? Yeah, darn tootin' you can, Father. Come on, he had to go to the restroom (laughs) with with a laser gizmo. I was just wondering... Who has their only bathroom is upstairs? Oh, not everybody lives in a in a castle with yeah, a moat, really. sire. Not, not not all of us have five bathrooms. Yeah, geez Louise, <laughs> a bathroom for every person. Uh, That's his motto. And internet. Good lord, internet, internet in almost every room of your home. Literally, you live a different life. Just hold that thought. We're coming right back. You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So... Answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer, N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. Thank you for supporting Supernatural Then and Now. And now, back to the show. 
You mentioned the, the, the gizmo he carries. That gizmo, I don't remember seeing that gizmo before yeah, or after. It? What is I that? I think Kripke was, I think all of us were like, oh, let's try it. And then once it, <laughs> once it, like, and the prop folks were all cool with it. This is going to be so great. And then we had the crossing green things. Yeah. And, and Kripke looked at dailies. He goes, oh, we're never doing that again. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I think and all of us were kind of like, our guys are more analog. They're not digital. Yeah, you know? it, it looked it looked so, I mean, I don't know if those lasers are real or fake. Yeah, but, that was all real. But they looked, real they looked fake. You know, like they were real right. to the point of being right. ridiculous. Yeah. And, well, it was one of those crossing them or going straight. And I said, let's cross them. At least that gives you a sense that it's going across the pattern. But that all worked. That was a working, that video screen on it was live. <laughs> and hmm. it, there was a... What, you know, what, what was he hoping to find? Like what? 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 It was looking for anomalies in the uh, looking for it cool cold spots. Right. Like it just would have, okay. It would have highlighted you right. know an area that because nothing changed because nothing was there. Right. I, I, right. I couldn't help but think that while they're shooting that, if you could hear the production audio, it's like Jensen walking through, and then as the laser hits Brad Creaser's eye, <laughs> son of a cut. <laughs> cut. I don't know. <laughs> When did Brad come out? Brad wasn't there right at the beginning. Well, the laser might... was strong enough to go through walls and hit yes. him in his home. Yes, it did. But yes, I think it, it also, I'm, I was waiting for somebody to be the lightsaber sound effect as he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was only one scene. Thank God we, we got rid of it. And we realized after that, it was like, don't get too fancy with the props that these guys have. I mean, keep it as simple as possible. Well, so you say that was practical, but the floating knife and the floating gun, uh, obviously, were not. Yeah, we tried a lot of iterations on the um, physical nature of trying to do the gun on an arm with a, a thing that moved, mm. where it was a real gun on a pedestal, and then we'd paint out the pedestal. But it wouldn't, couldn't move with enough fluidity that we needed. It was always kind of jerky, and it kind of bounced. And, yeah. And it would be and, so static, too, once yeah. it landed. Like, yeah. it had a floating nature. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot it had to do. It had to point to Dean, point to her, mm -hmm. and then turn on himself. Mm -hmm. um, so how is that done? What, what did you do in the Magic. End? Thank you, everybody, for listening. Like You've learned a lot today about how movies <laughs> I, are made. I can't give away too much. It gives away. No. Um, we had a gun, plastic gun, on a on a bar, and so everybody could get the common viewpoint. The eye line. The eye line. And so we we played around with that, and then we'd shoot it again without it. And, you know, everybody had to kind of find where it was. And then I think we ended up with a slightly – maybe it was the real gun – it was in there, and then uh, we'd have to do it again without it, so then Ivan could, you know, mat it back So in. then Ivan, in post, did all of it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Right. the knife, you know, some of the stuff where it's physical on the table, that was done sure. with, with magnets or, right. or, or, or wires, you know, moving it. Ivan came up with a brilliant idea. I think it was Ivan. Maybe it was Mark. If Mark Malosh was with us, then I think he might have been on one of the machines. Um, to touch the eye, Dude, the tear. That was oh, such yeah. a great shot. I was, was, I was waiting to get to that because that shot is so cool so walk me through the plates for that shot like what was the plate actually quite simple because it was just her eye everything else was digital the tear was digital no yeah that's all digital and and what you don't realize is you're seeing the tear is there it's welling in her eye and as the knife blade the tip of it just barely slowly touches it and then it leaks right that was a big surprise. I think Ivan hid that from us for a while. And then when it happened, it was like, oh, because then it, that moment of realism. Right. It took digital into real, yeah, real people yeah. in and, a really and, cool way. And it really messed, you know, again, that's how many years ago. Nowadays, that would have been a real, I mean, it would be a much more animated right. trickle. And, and maybe not as good. 
Maybe. Because uh, that that worked. I can't imagine it working better than that. No, man. I, it, so let me, I got to ask detail. So the tear in her eye welling up, mm-hmm. that's practical or that's no, also digital? That's all digital. So all you did was an incredibly ECU shot of her eyeball. Yes. Lock and then, off. And then the ECU eye, extreme close up. Right. I talk uh, with Beth about, okay, now it's getting closer and you're taking a breath in or just so she's more afraid, right? And her eye opens, right. maybe it opens up just to give the actor some sense of what technically is, you know, physically is happening and it's hurting my eyes right now <laughs> literally i can't i can't even think about it it's, it was it was so much fun to shoot all that and we did a version there's a version in one of the earlier cuts which is way more horrific than what is seen oh really yeah there's like i did all these shots knowing that standards there's the standards arm wrestling that we do right how right. much can you show and how much can't you show right so the knife Goes up, touches her eye. They were cool. Then it rears back a little bit, like you relax, and then he sends it forward. Yeah. And you see it go forward, just start to hit her. And then we cut to the wall on the backside of her head, and you see the blade go in to the wall. And on the backside of that, I had another one which was looking, because it was like a pillar in the kitchen. And then I said, all right, what we need is we need the blade to come all the way through. So the point of it sticking on the other side, that's how DP sent it. Right. Right. So knowing full well that standards was going to have some issue here Mm -hmm. and there, we, we make it as over blown as we can knowing that we'll pull it back some i think that you know it's it's more like you know let's see what we can get away with yeah but but it was a lot more horrific in an early cut on that because we had all these other pieces to to play but isn't that smart because then you're doing what you said you're basically doing the alfred hitchcock Mm -hmm. trickery of like we're gonna we're gonna make you look at this thing over here Mm -hmm. so you let us have this Mm Yeah, you. Yeah, over. I mean, you know, you always want being an editor for a long time. You always want the pieces to decide. If you don't shoot them, then you don't have that option later on. So right. if you go, gosh, I wish I, would, I wish I would have shot a close up, mm-hmm. you know, or a, you know, the insert here of this might have been good storytelling. Yeah, you, uh, you you talk about. I'm sorry, Rob. Go ahead. I was just gonna say you got some great guest stars in this. She was great, and the and Matthew. Max was great. Is that what you were gonna say? Exactly what I was gonna say. Wow. Because they were so they were so good. Yeah, you had great guest stars in this. Yeah. So how involved? Were you yeah, in that do, you process? Remember, do you remember that casting process? Beth, I think, was cast out of L.A. Brandon Brandon Fletcher was in Vancouver. Really? He's Canadian. And um, he was really young. And, you know, I think there's a part of me when I watch it now, I'm like, oh, you know it's him right away because he's so intense. But his story is interesting and he, yeah. he is wonderful to work with. He was in a Terry Gilliam movie after that. Really? Yeah. He, he's done a bunch he's of done stuff. He's done a bunch man. of stuff, yeah. But he was fantastic. And just, you know, you give him, you know, just between him and Jared, there's that scene later where the realization that, oh, your mom did that too? Oh, right. wow. And your dad went crazy. Right. Cool. That scene was super fun to shoot because it was simple and it, you just relied on what the two actors were doing. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. But you, you, like, you, I, I think there's got, I want to shine a light on how great it is to get guest stars at that level because the show rises and falls on that support staff, really. Oh, for you sure. know, for and sure. that storyline, this is not just a one scene guy. This is no. a guy who comes in and the whole story revolves oh, around yeah. his arc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have somebody do one or two scenes in an audition, you hope they're home run hitters on the day. And that's not always the case. And he sure, sure as heck was. No, oh, but it's like casting you two. On the show. Uh It was brilliant because you're good at what you do. You bring your A game and you also bring more. You think about character. You think about 
what this person or who this person is. And Brandon was, you know, just the same. So was Beth, you mm-hmm. know, um, there was less to do with the uncle and the dad because they were kind of in it for other reasons. Right. But, you know, it's your hope as a director to get that casting in the right spot because so much then is taken off your shoulders in so many ways. You know, if you get a, a, an actor that comes in and you think they're one thing and they turn to be another thing and part of it is they're nervous, they're, it's a new show, they're, you know, there's certain things. Well, then you've got to spend more time fixing right. or molding as opposed to more time playing. Because if you get somebody, like I can throw stuff to you guys easy, right? And it's super fun because you get the idea very quickly and then we riff. And once the riffing goes, that's when the magic can happen, you know, and I think that's what we get. And I think, you know, Brendan did really good on that. And Beth did too. You mentioned Beth, you know, she, Beth Broderick, who Mm -hmm. plays uh, Alice Miller, the stepmother, she doesn't have, like, you're kind of watching her through the episode and you're like, oh, she's doing a nice job. She's got some stuff to do. Yeah. Not heavy lifting. Even when he confronts her, it's like, okay. And then when she sits down with the cops and tells the story, it's just lights out. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was wonderful. And again, same thing, you know, you, you hope as as a director, when you're casting that that person can bring to life the character and and bring in other moods, colors, whatever you want to call it, that you didn't think about. Mm-hmm. There's always stuff in casting. I'm always amazed because now we're just into this video casting Yeah, that it's so much more like we were one of the very few shows in Vancouver, especially toward the later years that was still going to casting. And it's so much better. There's so much you can just, you have somebody, you get you get a read on their body. I, I think we're keeping. Uh, <laughs> you okay, Rich? I think that was a yawn. It's I think, a yawn. Can we get some coffee for Rich? I'm, just, I'm slamming my coffee. Uh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm, I'll, Listen, try, I'll, I'll try and brighten it up a little bit I need. I need you to be more like Ivan Hayden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so much. <laughs> it is better doing in-person oh, that's, casting. That's I think you, I think you miss a lot of. The video casting and the in-person casting are not the same thing. Yeah, correct. And and, oh, and before before I dozed off, you were saying that I think it's I was saying, the before and after. Like you know, like you, an actor walking in the room and an actor walking out of the room. The essence of that actor's being. Yes. you get more of that when you're right. when you're in the room and yes. you get the connection. There's an energy sure. too. There's sure. an energy. Well, and also if you give them a direction, like you like what they did, but it wasn't right for the character, right. and you just want to see how they change. If you give them two notes, do this with a smile, right? Or do you know? hide that you're angry. Don't anything that you give them. It's not that that's the way the scene's going to play. See, a lot of times the the words that they're saying aren't in the script anyway. It's all fakery. But what you want to see is the actor in their brain, how they change, how they can manipulate the thought into action. It's tough as an actor too now when you're putting the tape out there and you're not even sure who's seeing it. You know, if the right person are seeing it, you just kind of send it out into the ether and hope yeah. for the best. Um, so, yeah, it was great. They, they did great, and it, it makes a big difference. And, you know, the kid who played Max, I mean, we can't say enough about him, but I like as an actor, too, that he took his time, which is really hard with a guest star like this. You kind of want to, like, it's it's you're nervous. You don't want to come in mm-hmm. there and take too much time, you know, and he, he took his time with the emotion and let the beats fall and let there be space, and I, it just goes a long way. to and Everything you know. he had was emotional. I mean, yeah. I mean the first time you see everything. him is, so it, his lost his dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he never has a yeah. joking around in the bar sequence, yeah. and then get, things go sour. But you knew it was him. 
I, I didn't. No, I, I didn't know until you came in here and told us it was him. It was him. <laughs> really? No, after, I really didn't. Even after watching. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I, mi- I missed something there. I just thought maybe he needed to go outside and take a walk or have a glass of water. He looked so pale. <laughs> no, you didn't know it was him, though. Like, for real. I didn't know it was him. I didn't know. Because I made sense that he's very upset. His dad just committed suicide. So I was buying that completely. Yeah, and I didn't think telekinesis was coming into play. But sure enough. Or, or child beating. Yeah. Man, not only that, not only like the beating by dad, but when the dad got a sore wrist, uncle took over. Like, it was brutal. Yeah, it was a game brutal. between the brothers. That's who not can, fun. Who can hit the kid harder, I guess. Oh, God. So there's also great emotional stuff with the brothers, with Sam and Dean. You know, Dean is the protector and Sam's confusion as to what's going on. Do they, you know, at this point, I know you're still, you know, everyone's still figuring it out. But at this point, it almost feels like that you're, you're on a roll here for as a show. Did it feel that way? Well, this was my first directing uh, of the show. So I was a bit on pins and needles for myself. You know, it's like, I can't mess this up. But I felt like I knew what the show was. I was in all the editing. So, you know, I'm sitting there with Eric and Bob in the cutting room, throwing out ideas and and getting the flavor of the show. So it's not like I'm the guest director that doesn't know the show. Right. But, you know, definitely everybody's feeling better by the time you hit the mid-season of the first year that we got legs underneath it. It's still, you know, the um, saving people, hunting things, the family business was in every teaser for the first 10 or 12 shows, maybe even more. (laughs) 10 or 12 years. Years. Yeah, I mean, it became, that became our thing in post where we started calling it shaving people, punting things as a a video love letter to the audience. But um, I think we were at a point where it was like, okay, this might be working. And, you know, I just tried to fit in with what Kim and what Bob had done. You know, they were mentors for me, both of them, very much so. And it was Kim's idea. He had a great idea for the car at the beginning. He says, we should get a cutout car. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you just, they've cut out the front of the engine. And so we can get the camera underneath the dash. And that's where you see like the keys, all those cool shots underneath. That was because Kim, he said, let's see if we can get a secondary car that matches that car. It has no engine. It has no front end. Basically, it sits on blocks. The guy sits in there. I'm sure there was some disparity here and there, but for the most part, you know, Jeff, our picture car guy, he knew exactly what Kim was looking for, you know, and he said, yeah, I, I, I got one of those. Wow. So, Have you heard of that before, a cutout car? No. Uh-uh. Well, we have. We actually had a cutout uh, Impala that was in five pieces, and we tried using it a few times. The problem is is that, you know, like the whole front end comes off, so now you put the camera like right at the windshield, not floating. You could put it right in a position that you can't normally put. But you couldn't move the car, though, at that point. Well, it was poor man's. You know, if it was poor man's, you could do that. Right. You know, and then we had it where the back end would, this whole car would just, it was clamped together. And we only used it a couple times. It's too bad because it was so cool to get the camera where you normally couldn't do it. Right. You, you could get it right on the back window or inside the back window, you know, from the back seat and shoot forward a little bit low if you right. wanted. So, you know, the cutout car thing wasn't a new thing, but it wasn't something because the guy has to, you know, have, you know, he's dying of inhalation of gas fumes and <laughs> exhaust in the teaser. But that was Kim came up with that idea and, and he made it sound so simple. I was like always looking at him like, you bastard, you know so much. And he's he was so kind and giving. He's not like, that's my idea. I'm going to keep it. He was very much to make the show better. It was always that. So circling back to the boys' drama in this episode, one of the things I think is interesting, Benedict, you and I haven't talked about it at all, is that the drama is not just drama about let's find dad. It now becomes about Sam having 
cerebral issues, mm-hmm, right? right? And Dean's legit concern. Right, but trying to mask his concern. Correct. So that was interesting in that sort of a whole new chapter for Sam about his abilities. I guess one of my questions is, was this part of Eric's big picture plan to drop this in this episode? Well, it opens up the world to, oh, wait a minute, what happened to Sam and the Winchesters happened right. to this family? So does that that opens up the what happened in the pilot to a whole nother uh, world that it widens it because now it's like, oh, there's this unseen force that's doing this to little kids right. that's giving them powers of some sort because yeah, what the hell? This, this all turns into something that Sam has for a while. And right? there's so and many there's... arguments of, for years and years and years that people always debate John Winchester being a bad father. And it's just always talked about because the boys were raised in motels or on their own. There'll be flashbacks in seasons to come where the you know the, mm-hmm. they're little boys and they're by themselves a lot. But then you look at this episode and they even make the comment, well, we didn't have it so bad because this kid's dad, you know, Max's dad, sees this happen and becomes a drunk who beats his son. Right. right. So, like, you know, at least John Winchester took his anger outward <laughs> and not sure. well, inward. Yeah. I mean— there, there's also a backstory there with the Winchesters that we find out were more involved in supernatural things later on. As right. we know, Mr. Ackles is producing a, a prequel, mm-hmm. if you will, that's um, in the same name. I don't, want to, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm reading for young John Winchester. I'm well, very excited about my luck. chances. Good luck. And young, good luck to you, Rob, in your, in your reading of Mary. That's young right. John? Hmm. <laughs> so anyway, the, uh, you know... I think in this episode, particular because of Max's similarity to what happened to Sam, that when they say it, you know, Dean thinks, I always recall that Dean's memories of his childhood was good stuff because they got to go to motels and there was mini bars and there was, you know, stuff to to mess with and do. Whereas Sam was, was way more... You know, he was younger when it happened, when mom burned on the ceiling. He, he probably doesn't remember much of that, but it's it's one of those things that that's why Sam left and went to college was that he didn't get along with dad. The, the, his childhood was not. And I think it's coming apparent in starts in a few episodes, I think, before this, where Sam starts having these visions. And then this is a continuation of that. And, um, you know, their childhood wasn't great in Sam's eyes. Right. It was in Dean's because, you know, Dean looked up to his dad. Right. The car was, you know, the music, the cleaning of the guns. Uh, I always had Dean, especially in the early <laughs> episodes that I did where he's, I, I always gave him a task. You know, like dad was a Marine. One thing you do is you keep your weaponry clean and oiled and all that. So I always threw the guns on the bed and it's, and I, had Jensen at one point I said you can't look at the guns while you're cleaning them so you need to do all this as if it's something you do just yeah just in something your sleep. you do like playing a guitar for a million right. years you don't look at your fingers so that was always fun to do especially cool. in this there's a one scene in the motel room where Dean's doing that yeah. and yeah there's a couple times where he's just like putting together the yeah. things and no I had the thought yeah. I was like wow does Jensen know how to clean a gun because yeah. That's cool. Well, cool it was detail. just it was it was a couple details like that. I always had them park the car backward so it was like they could get out quickly because that's, that's always a thing, right? They yeah. always need to leave quickly. So if they're you know backed in, but that all kind of goes sideways, I'm sure later on. But there was always that sort of thing. It's like, what would Dad do? That's I don't know, man, because you, you know you were sort of the the mentor for most of the new directors who would come in, myself being one of them. But I know that also Amin, Calderali, mm-hmm. and some other people, and all that stuff was beaten into us. <laughs> so that really? when yeah, so. That 
that when like Cohen, when Matt Cohen was directing his first one and he came to me, uh, there are a lot of things that you would impart to new directors go like, okay, Sam and Dean walk into rooms. They're a hunter. How do hunters enter a room? Right, enter a room? Right, yeah. How do hunters drive into a place they've never been? Do they leave the headlights on? Do they turn the headlights off? Yeah, yeah. Like all these things yeah. that if, if you just see the line, Sam and Dean pull up to the house, you don't think about. So you have to dissect it and start thinking like, how do hunters behave? In these situations, in all situations. Right. You know? So in episode, season 15, episode 15, where Matt comes in, like, you, you kind of got to know, you got to do your homework. <laughs> yeah. And a I, lot of homework to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot of catching up to if you're not familiar with the yeah. with the, the details of what these guys are in for. But same, because I didn't come in as a director until season 11. You know, plenty of ground trod by then. But to your point, the car backing in, I think those things did survive. I think I think those, those level of details, they became things that once it was established... The camera department, the transport department, people would mention like, no, nah, we got to, you know, they don't park in motels. <laughs> head in. Kind of, yeah. you know. Well, also like the, the camera guys always had the, the car pristine. And I'm like, go take it to a muddy road and just go drive around and get it muddy. I said, these guys don't have time to clean, clean, clean the car, yeah. especially at the beginning. It's it's a road movie. Mm-hmm. So everything is they're, they're on the road. And they're at a motel. And so it was so much fun working with the art department, Jerry, uh, about the design of the next, because that was like the calling card of the show for many, many years of, um, you know, where are we in the world? And then what type of motel room is it? And this was the Escanaba log cabin one, you know, in, in this episode. That was quite fun. There's a set of the houses whenever they're in, not the house in this one, but in some of them, a set of a house, especially when it's like a downtrodden kind of house. And I'm, I'm always He's like, oh, that's my, that's Chuck's house in season four. <laughs> like all the houses have similar vibes, you know. But that was that was our only set. I mean, those are our only sets. Is those the houses, the hotel room, mm-hmm. yeah. hotel room until Men of Letters, yeah, yeah, yep. And Bobby's, you know, Bobby Singer's was the home set for a long time too. So oh, that, right. be, that became Jim Beaver's place, the yeah. salvage yard house. Yeah, I'm excited to get to him. Yeah, man, Jimmy the Bee Beaver. <laughs> yeah. That'll be great. Um, well, you know, it's, it's really exciting to watch an episode like this because it, as someone who's never seen the show, it sets up a lot of stuff. And to meet someone else whose whose mother died on the ceiling in a fire and so interesting, kind of mind blowing. And to me. see the beginning of the uh, reign of directing uh, excellence that was yeah. the Phil Segrisha years, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. I mean, your your episodes are always great, and I'm truly saying that to you as somebody who's watched every single episode that you've ever directed in Supernatural. Oh, really? Yeah, well, you know, when I bef- when I got hired to direct, I went back and I watched directors by groups. I watched all oh, yours, okay. all Bob's, all John Showalter's, and all Tom Wright's. Hmm. And yours are just always just unbelievably detailed and, and cool. So hmm. detailed and great, yeah. Thank you. You're you know, going to do well, young man. We, yeah, Stick with it. We, we try. Keep at it. <laughs> um, so in season one, is it now after this episode, do you go back to then to editing? Yeah, I mean, uh, after I'm done, go back down to here in L.A. and, uh, you know, continue with watching the cuts and Mm -hmm. giving ideas. Right. I'm on the mix stage and, you know, Todd is running post. I'm more in the creative story side of it. Right. So that's why Bob asked me on board, I think. You know, and we work well together for so many years and uh, it was turning into the same thing with Eric. So it was it was that. And then, you know, after that one, they gave me a second one in the first season. So that was a, always that's a all, plus. A win, so, yeah. yeah. And that's all so, she wrote. The rest was <laughs> down 
downhill. Yeah, downhill. Yeah, <laughs> all the way to Ghost Facers. Um, well, Phil, thank you so much for. Am I done? For coming on, you're done. <laughs> you can now have access to the snacks. Uh, thank you for being here. Truly, you're like you know, you're the coolest man. Yeah. So we love having you on here. Yeah. You'll... You know a lot, and you're good at sharing it. Well, we appreciate you. Thanks, guys, for putting up with me. You'll be back. You'll be back. Oh, you'll be back. Oh, here we go. Hey there, this is Jared Padalecki, and I hope you're enjoying the episode. But we got to pull over for a second for some messages. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel, the one and only Marvel, has a mobile game. And it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is it's a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters and you complete missions and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real-Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means. Free stuff. Free stuff, just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week, you take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code for every new user, so please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am, really, and what I really want and what makes me happy. It's super important and often neglected taking this time. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. So all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and then, oh, get this, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy. That's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. 
Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. Phil, what can I say? I mean, he's the best. He's the best. He's always a hoot. Yeah, he'll be, and he'll be back. We'll have him back again. And I, you know, I'd forgotten because I don't do my homework that this was his first directing episode, first ever directing Super. Because he'd been on our show before. Yeah, I know, so but I he, I got, as an executive producer, but this is the first time he got behind the camera. Well, that's the and thing. Directed I a said show. this to you the other day. I think, but th- that's what's crazy is we're doing this this podcast, watching the show in real time, and we're on what episode fourteen, right? Fourteen of the podcast, and I can't remember what we did a few episodes ago. I can only imagine what it is to be, you know, Jensen and Jared doing 327 episodes of a show. While being hot. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> thank, thank that somehow like a real cut down to me, isn't it? <laughs> True. Same as you, except they're hot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, but I don't know if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I kind of lump myself in sure, that same I know. You always do. sack of uh, potatoes. All right. Uh, <laughs> that was a great experience. But now it's time for other parts of the podcast, parts that I like almost as much as the interview, starting with... Mythology. Mythology, mythology, mythology. All right, psychokinesis or telekinesis is the psychic ability allowing a person to move objects or influence the physical world with their mind. I'm doing it now. My microphone just flew away from me. The The word is derived from the Greek words for mind and motion. I knew that already. <laughs> That's not telekinesis. That's just being a smartass. <laughs> Telekinesis. Clairvoyant or psychic having premonitions, or the ability to see what will happen before it happens. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) I didn't know you were so gifted. There have been formal studies about the connection between childhood trauma and extrasensory abilities, including extrasensory perception experiences and childhood trauma, a Rorschach investigation. That title just rolls off the tongue, by the way. It really does. It really does. A-plus, marketing department. Uh, What was this other one called? Uh, Negative experiences in childhood, parental style, and resilience among people reporting paranormal experiences. Another... Is the book just brutal? All there in the title? I mean, why I mean, can't they have just said, like, Christ, crazy people? I don't need to read the things. book now. I've read the title. I know everything I need to know. Both of those have been published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease. They need to be published in the in the uh, journal of the titles are too freaking long. Now nobody cares anymore. My, by the way, my biography is going to be called the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease. <laughs> Both have been published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease, otherwise known as Rob's Diary. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) Um, Other pop culture characters who suffered childhood abuse and developed telekinesis. Eleven from Stranger Things. Twelve from Stephen King's Carrie. No, just Carrie from Stephen King's Carrie. I thought thought we were just starting out numbers. We're naming things starting with (laughs) eleven. Um, yeah, Eleven from Stranger Things, Carrie from Stephen King's Carrie, and, and Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda? Damaged I was. <laughs> no, Baby Yoda doesn't speak like Hurt that. Hurt me, Mom and Dad He did. doesn't talk like that. He's Ignored. Just, he's just I a, was. He's just a baby. Oh, right. But it's a good point. Gibble gobble gibble. Yeah, sure. Maybe he does have telekinesis. <laughs> he does. Ask him. <laughs> Telekin ask him? Yeah, Telekin ask him. <laughs> <laughs> And now it's time for Fun Facts! Hey, I'm laughing already! Fun Facts! <laughs> Sam and Dean introduce themselves as Father Simmons and Father Fraley. Who are they? What, what is that reference from? They're from KISS. That's right. Dean. They are Gene Simmons and Ace Fraley. Yeah, the bassist and guitarist from KISS. Dean grabbing a cocktail sausage and eating it made Rob uncomfortable. No. Oh. It's not what it says. <laughs> and it's not true. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. Uh, Dean, grabbing a cocktail sausage and eating it made Rob incredibly comfortable. No, that's not. Oh, no. Okay, well, Dean grabbing a cocktail sausage and eating it was improvised. It's just one of those things that happens on a set when you get a guy like Jensen who loves sausage. And Dean's eating and evolves into a runner of the show. Dean likes to eat. Um, but yeah, that's that was improvised. He saw the he saw the sausage and he was like, Can keep his hands off it. <laughs> that's right. All right, Brendan Fletcher, who played Max, went on to act in some great projects. We, we talked about this. But, oh, man, he's so good. Yeah, but specifically, he was on seven episodes of Arrow. He did 13 episodes of Siren. Three episodes of iZombie, and 11 on Stranger Things. <laughs> he, did a, <laughs> he did a bunch of stuff. He's really good, man. Look him up, IMDb, that kid. I like, We're calling him kid. He's probably, you know, Our age. 35. But anyway, he's really talented he's guy. He's, he was really great. He did a just killer job in this uh, episode. Podcast wrap-up. Um, did I like the show? Well, I guess I'll tell a friend. No, that's not <laughs> what that means. What that what that means is, hey, do you like our podcast? Thank you so much for listening. And please tell your friends. Tell your friends and tell strangers. I mean, I don't tell know strangers. why we're limiting it to tell a friend. That's true. It's about getting the word out. You don't have to know them. Just tell them. Just tell them. Just tell them. A lot of times I'll tell my children, don't talk to strangers unless it's promoting the podcast. Right. In which case, talk to them. Or if you have telekinesis, you can, with your mind... Make more people listen. I'm moving you towards your radio, <laughs> which is not where podcasts are. So it's no, <laughs> now I'm turning off your radio <laughs> and opening your podcast app. Um, anyway, thanks again for uh, listening. This was a fun one. It was a great one. And uh, we'll see you for the next one. Bye, everybody. Jared Padalecki stars as Sam Winchester. Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Co-stars include Brendan Fletcher as Max Miller, Cameron McDonald as Jim Miller, Beth Broderick as Alice Miller, and Avery Raskin as Roger Miller. Roger Miller, by the way, trailers for Sale or Rent, Rooms to Let, 50 That's right. Cents. That's right. Who knew that Roger Miller was being portrayed in Supernatural? Right. Great songwriter. Nightmare was written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker. And directed by Phil Segrisha. Edited by Paul Karasik. Music by Christopher Lennertz. Executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The original broadcast featured two great songs by Bob Seger, 2 Plus 2, and Lucifer. The but, Netflix broadcast featured neither of those songs. Wouldn't it be funny if it was the original broadcast featured two great songs by Bob Seger, 2 Plus 2, and X Minus 5. That's right. <laughs> They're both equations. Over N squared. <laughs> This episode originally aired February 7th, 2006. The day after my sister Barbie's birthday. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Hayda Holscher. Audio engineered by Caitlin Holly. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. For news on this and other podcasts, but why would you care about other podcasts? I'm kidding. Follow Story Mill Media on Instagram and Twitter. That was great, Phil. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought for sure this one was going to suck. The original broadcast featured two great songs by Bob Seger. Two plus two equals question mark? <laughs> Somehow I don't think that's the title. All right, well, both of those have been published in the Journal of Nervous and <laughs> First of all, I think she's making up crap and typing it on a sheet of paper and handing it to us. There's just no way there's a rock song called 2 plus 2 equals question. This is my next song. It's called 2 plus 2 equals question mark. The episode was... Max has abilities just like Sam, but his are further developed. Meaning he has great hair and sort of a way of... Yeah, he has really long hair and he's 6'4". <laughs> let, no. let me try that again. Steve, you have a question? Steve has a question.
an eye on this. What am I doing? Oh. Keep oh. your hands to yourself, Phil. Oh, no, wow. Sorry. Phil got in trouble with the boss. <laughs> the Steve the Producer is like our resident nun. Okay. <laughs> the Catholic school. He's got a ruler out. He's going to smack Phil. Right? It just a, nobody no. would make a song called 2 plus 2 equals question mark. No. That's what it is in the credits. <laughs> it is weird. Without further ado. Th- oh, wait. No. What? If we've learned nothing else, it's that telekinesis should be a word. The original broadcast featured two great songs by Bob Seger. Not two- singer. Bob <laughs> Okay. We got that, right? Storybell Media. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.